You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Taylor, it's Boxing Day, kind of, for people <laughs> when they're listening. Yeah, I, you know, I always I was, need a, to orientate myself. because Yeah, we're, we're, it's Boxing Day. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. We've eaten our turkey. We've opened our presents. And now we're talking movies. Yeah. I, and I mean, most people are, would, wouldn't have listened to our episode if it came out on Christmas anyway. So uh, Boxing Day now you know you're you're getting back to your normalish routine. Boxing Day is interesting because there, there's definitely a lot of things open, but often people have reduced hours, and because they've extended Boxing Week, so you can get all right. your sales throughout the week. So I find Boxing Day is still kind of a slow day, just on online and stuff. So it's a good time to catch up on your podcasting. You know, a lot of people clean their homes and go on walks when they listen to us. That's that's what we usually hear from people. I am. Um, I wasn't not listening to you. I had to mute myself because I sneezed. That's why okay. I wasn't commenting on your your list okay. there. I I, honestly, it. it was it was almost seamless. I didn't need like you would have been fine if you just picked it up. But <laughs> sure, yeah, well, we'll keep that in know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, good, good. Well done. Well done on on uh, hiding that. Um, just a quick note, uh, Taylor. You and I were just talking about this. I'm having a hard time accessing our email. I don't know what's happened. Um, it's a hacked. Gmail account. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, maybe we've been hacked. So if you did write in a fan question, I know we did get some this week. I'm sorry if we don't get to it today, if I don't uh, manage to break into the Hack email the in the next frame. hour. Um, we will definitely get to you next week and what have you. I know we got a lot of uh, negative feedback and questions uh, about my Bradley Cooper comments. So maybe we should address that right off the bat. Uh, maybe maybe uh, I need to make a statement. Clear the air. Go on uh, your because, apology yeah. tour. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna clear up a misunderstanding that definitely has happened. I was not attacking Bradley Cooper as a director in, in general. That's number one. Because I saw those comments, Taylor, where people actually really like his direction. And they really like him, uh, and they think he's just a stand-up uh, guy. Um, sure, sure. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> like, I don't know. He, I'm sure he's fine. He's definitely someone who seems very talented. Um, obviously, he's done a lot of different things, but yeah, I mean, I was basically saying he's not at Spike Lee's level yet, which was the only comment I was making. Was that I didn't like the fact that they do the director on director thing, and he was teamed up with Spike Lee. Because I just don't think that's an even kilt thing. Like I think, I think if you're going to have two directors have a meaningful conversation, they should have made more than a couple, handful of films. If you're going to, unless they were trying to do like young director or like new director versus old director, sure, maybe, sure, maybe, and that's totally fine. That's acceptable. My point was just they're not on the same level. Regardless, even if that's what they were trying to do, my point was Spike Lee's on at one level. Bradley Cooper is on a level below Spike Lee. And that's it. So there was someone, Taylor, who who wrote in who said that I was being hypocritical because when we were talking about Greta Gerwig, and this was before Barbie came out, 
I had mentioned something. You have your something. three movie rule. Yeah, I had my three movie rule. I had mentioned something. I think I was also talking to Nicole, honestly, when this first came up. Because I remember Nicole and I having this conversation. So I think she was on the show. And we were talking about that where I'm like, Greta Gerwig, to me, is not an established director because she's only done two movies. And Barbie being the third, it's like, okay, now you could say, especially because all three of them were kind of hits. Obviously, Barbie to a different level. But all three of them were like critically and audience-wise like really well regarded. So she, you know, that's, that, that has now entered established director mode. So Bradley Cooper has only done two films, as far as I know, yeah. unless he did direct that Burnt movie, which I, I didn't even look up. <laughs> that's how little, <laughs> little effort I put into this, where I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's directed A Star is Born, which is a remake of a remake of a remake. Not very impressive, as far as I'm concerned. And now Maestro. So, so he's, he's which directed you're reviewing two today. Films. Which I'm reviewing today, yes. I'm which I'm going to tell the story I'm, about uh, that. But I'm going to double down on my comments from last week. I don't think he should direct and star and produce. Just like I don't think that um, um, Mr. Dunkin' Donuts should do that. <laughs> so, Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, you know, he was um, Batman. Oh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, everyone knows my hate okay, for Ben Affleck. Like, I, I like Dunkin' Donuts. Wow, yeah, that's he's like the poster child for Dunkin' Donuts. I he just wanted a donut. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a big fan, and he did that commercial. I think for the Super Bowl of him at Dunkin' Donuts. He did of him at Dunkin' Donuts. Pulls yeah, up, yeah. being like, "What yes, are you doing yeah. here?" Great. Um, anyway, so that's my feeling. Those are my feelings. I think it's such an ego trip to be like, "I'm going to direct. I'm going to direct myself." Yeah. And also, often they give themselves writing and producing credits. And it's like, come on. Which is what Bradley Cooper did on Maestro, too. Yeah, I hate it. Well, listen, I think I think sometimes someone has their passion project, and for whatever reason, they want to be in it. I think that's they really gotta tough. They got to make it. They got to really do tough. it. Yeah. The first time I ever directed anything on stage, I was in it. And Taylor, was. it was a horrible experience. It was really tough. It was really difficult, especially being the first time you're making a lot of mistakes. You're sort of trying to find your way through it. I never did it again because of how tough it was. And I could have, I could have at any point in time cast myself on anything I wanted to, but I didn't because I just thought it's so hard to do that. Like it's so difficult. So I don't know how they do it, but. uh, uh, Typically not well. And (laughs) before anyone comes for me about Greta Gerwig, who was an actress, she doesn't direct herself in movies. So. Yeah, you're not saying you can't have two careers. No. You're just saying don't have them together. Like Ben Affleck's been in tons of movies that he didn't direct. Yeah. Um, you, and that, and you're basically, you're saying that's fine. It's just when you're directing yourself. Oh, it's so it cringe to me. I don't know. I just hate it. Listen, yeah. And like my impression of Bradley Cooper is that he's like an artur and he has passion projects and he is talented and he's driven to write and direct. And that's really what he wants to be doing. And that's again totally fine. I agree with you. I I think find it's someone a else. Odd. Yeah, you find could someone just else cast to be, someone to else. the star. Ugh, um, hate it. But here we are. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not retracting my opinion on Brett. Like to me, it's Spike Lee You're is just in like one category. Yeah, I'm just cl- cl- clarifying. Like it's Spike Lee, a pile of garbage, then Bradley Cooper, then a pile of more garbage, and then me. Like that's basically what I'm saying. That's the rung of life. So it's it's fine. I understand where people are coming from, but I just wanted to clear that up because I, I don't think 
I was uh, I was actually being whatever it's called um, when it comes to my comments about Greta Gerwig. Greta incredible. Gerwig's now done th- three films. She's an established director. Bradley Cooper has now done two. He's one away from becoming established because I think anyone can accidentally make a movie. So if you do it once, if you do it twice, I don't think that's a pattern yet. Especially when it takes you like 12 years to do it. Maestro took him, I think, like six years or something. Really? Is that how long he's been working on this? Because I saw an article saying it took him six years to practice like the 12-minute piece of music he um, or what what do you call that? He conducts, yeah, conducts. I could yeah, be getting the he, numbers wrong, but like apparently he practiced years to do 12 minutes. You know what's really so, funny yeah. is that in the movie, I will do a full review later in the episode, but in the movie, they purposely cut away before he starts conducting because they're building to this big moment. Like when when they, we see him sort of conduct a symphony orchestra and he's like actually doing the big the big thing. Um, because you see like a long sort of uncut version of that. It's interesting how they would just cut away. And I thought, because I completely, as I watched the movie, I completely forgot that, that you actually brought this stat up, I think last week. And I forgot he does do conducting. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like they're cutting away because they don't to not, want he can't to, do to, it. to show him maybe not being <laughs> able to do it. But obviously they were saving it for that big moment. Gimmicky. Uh, there you go. So there you go. That's my uh, that's my comment on on directing. And I didn't like A Star Is Born. I don't think we need like twenty seven versions of that movie. I don't think it was very good. I don't understand why he had to adapt that. Um, but we'll we'll get my comments on Meister later. Uh, but so right now he's kind of O for one for me. Whereas Greta Gerwig is like three two and a half. I liked Barbie. I liked uh, the Little Women, but lit. I, I don't remember what I thought about Lady Bird, actually. Lady Bird didn't time. do it for me. But I liked Little Women. And I thought Bird yeah. was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought Little Women was very good. I think that was a very, very good adaptation of, of that, uh, of, of a book that's obviously big. And it's difficult to do that. So, yeah, like, I, I do think Greta Gerwig's a little ahead of, uh, of Bradley Cooper currently. Could that change over time? Sure. I mean, I assume they're going to both continue to make stuff. They, that's clearly what they want to do. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to do today because uh, it's our Christmas holiday episode. Um, so we've both got a couple movies to review. The reason why I'm even reviewing Maestro is because, Taylor, you made a suggestion of a movie for me to review this week that was more Christmassy themed. Yes. And it's called Family Switch. And after watching that movie, I discovered I had very little to say about it. So I thought I <laughs> might as well watch something else <laughs> because there's not much to say about Family Switch. Yet another um, dumb, I know I've been harping on this probably for like seven weeks at this point. Another dumb title. So I found, I was, periodically I'll go onto Netflix just to see what new movies are on there. Because, you know, they don't advertise. So you don't, you don't know unless you load up the platform. And I think I perused the Christmas section just out of curiosity. And this movie comes up. Family Switch. By the name of it, you'd have no idea this is a Christmas movie. It's basically Freaky Friday. Yeah, but, but set at the, Christmas, correct? Yeah, set at Christmas. Oh, yeah, it's very, very Christmassy. Because that's like, again, like that's the overtone of, okay, what makes it a Christmas movie? Well, the, all the family's going to learn lessons, what it's like to be each other around the holidays where they're supposed to be appreciating, 
appreciating each other more. So basically everyone switches bodies, right? Like everybody. Who becomes the baby? Uh, the dog? The dog becomes the baby and the baby becomes the dog. <laughs> right. Oh and like the, the, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's exactly, you gotta, you gotta two parents, two children, baby and dog, like, and, and everyone switches bodies and the whole big thing. Um, and yeah, what caught becomes, my attention, Mike, is that it's like big names to be in yeah, that kind of Ed, Ed Helms from Ed Helms from The Office and The Hangover and Jennifer Gardner, Gardner, Gardner. Um, Ex-wife both, of Batman. Yeah, both in it and giving it their all. all. And Good listen, this is this movie is exactly what we talk about when we say airplane it. So if you're traveling over the holidays, it's the perfect airplane movie because you can just throw it on. It's distracting. It has the right amount of humor in it. It's a fluff movie. You know the concept. It's very like whatever you call it, like self-referential. Like it's referencing in the movie that this concept's been done before. And kind of like dumb. they, yeah, and, and that it's stupid. <laughs> and like even I think it's I think it's the teenage daughter when the switch happens in the mom's body who basically goes on this rant about how this is so stupid. Like this is dumb. I don't believe it. This is so stupid. This is basically like been done a million times. This is dumb. And it's really funny. Like you you, you can appreciate that having seen literally anything else. So I think I think this movie is absolutely an airplane. It 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 just works as a as a quick thing to to watch Christmassy probably fine for the family it makes sense that it's straight to Netflix it's kind of a fluff movie that you can just watch and uh, enjoy with the family so there you go that's my review okay it's fluffy um we also have kind of a fun uh, Christmas thing to do which we can we can do first Taylor um sure. which you've you've come ready with a with an activity yes so I can't really take any credit for this. Um, I'm no Austin. I found an article. Romper. Don't even know what this uh, website is. It must be like a journalist website. But anyways, they put out an article um, this year called 12 Classic Movies You Didn't Realize Were Actually Christmas Movies. And one Christmas movie that isn't. So what I'm going to do, Mike, is I'm going to run down the list. And you let me know if you agree that it's it's Christmas or if it's not Christmas. Each one kind of has a little bit of a um, blurb. So if you need clarification as to why they, they're calling it a Christmas movie, I'll be happy to read that to you. Sound good? Okay. So the, these are all saying these are Christmas movies. And you want me to say if I agree with that or not. Yeah. And you okay. can defend yourself if you'd like. And if you need clarification, I can read you the blurb as to why they think it's Christmas. Just let me know okay. if you need the clarification. Okay? Sounds good. So they start off hot with Die Hard. Absolutely a Christmas movie. Like it's, it's we've talked about this many times as to why. So I'll give my opinion on it that maybe you can read the blurb to see if it matches. But basically, I think it is because the relationship that he forms with the police officer he's communicating is that sort of Christmas spirit thing. They're, they're trying to get something done. It's set at Christmas. He's basically trying to save a Christmas party, which is in of itself saving Christmas. So it's absolutely a Christmas movie. He forms a bond with someone. There's kind of this magic of friendship that comes out of it, which is a big, obviously like a big thing, like spending time with your loved ones and, and relationships over the holidays. So I think it's absolutely a Christmas movie. So they agree with you. Their, their main point is what we brought up maybe last week or the week before when someone wrote in about this and you, you mentioned it um, 
you mentioned it just now. Uh, they talk about the holiday decor. It takes place on Christmas Eve. And then the main point that I think makes it a Christmas movie is Detective John McClane wanting to get home to his estranged wife for the holiday. That to me is like the most Christmas yeah. about it. That's and then this article is great. It tells you where you can watch. You can stream it on Apple TV+. Plus. Okay. So, Die Hard <laughs> there you go. on Apple Die TV+. Hard. Plus. This is, I, I assume, an American article. So sometimes Canadian streaming is not the same as American streaming, but we'll, yeah. we'll just see. The next movie is Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. That's interesting. I have actually never heard of this movie being called a, a Christmas movie. Um, wow. That's an interesting one for me. I don't see it as a Christmas movie personally. I see it more of like a kind of a Tim Burton-y movie, which I know like he he can do some sort of, but like that's like Sleepy Hollow is one of those movies that does kind of cross over to being Halloween-y, but Tim Burton-y. But to me, Edward Scissorhands is more a Tim Burton movie. Like that's how I would classify it first. And I wouldn't really think about it watching it at Christmas. So I don't personally agree with that one. They argue that even though it's not set at Christmas, cru- crucial scenes are uh, include holiday decor and merrymaking, including the iconic Winona Ryder twirling dreamily in the snow Edward is creating via his ice sculpture scene. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> and apparently the story, and I, I do not remember this, the story is being told to a, um, to a granddaughter during Christmas. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't that, remember either. that either. So they say it's a Christmas movie. It's available on Max, which I think is HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah. They they keep changing the branding and name of it. Yeah. Because uh, it <laughs> keeps failing. Always uh, a good sign, right? <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's always good. Yeah. I, that, that one's a little harder for me. Little Women. Yes. Yeah. I would say so. Like, again, I think I think not only are there, I believe there's a whole thing set at Christmas. In, in the winter yeah, for, for multiple that. scenes. Yeah. So I think definitely, and I think it has that overarching family vibe to it. Um, and Cozy. I think, yeah, like, and I think I can see, I don't have it in front of me. I can see like posters with like Holly and things hung and like that being a big part of it. So yes, I think, I think little women definitely is, is a Christmas movie. Uh, I believe the Greta Gerwig version is available on stars. Cannot tell, don't know where the Winona Ryder version is and the one from the 1930s, but it looks like the current version is on Stars. And you can get Stars as part of your Disney package here. And Amazon. Canada, so, and Amazon as well. There you go. So you can I get believe it. so. I think I have Stars. That's one of the extra bonus ones, channels I have that I always forget I have. Um, yes. <laughs> Carol. Yes. Carol is definitely, I haven't seen one, this it's one. set, it's definitely set. In and Christmas. around Christmas, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's really connected to the relationship of of Carol and I don't remember um, Teresa Rooney. Yes, Rooney Mara's character. Oh no, Teresa. sorry, Carol's daughter is Teresa. I don't know. Okay, what the yeah, other it's name. whoever. Yeah, Rooney. Rooney Mara plays her. Yeah. So it is kind of like more about their relationship, them falling in love, and kind of the impact on Carol's family. But it's all set in and around Christmas, and like the holidays are kind of the big theme there, uh, especially when it comes to like her tr- Carol trying to like maintain 
a family and the importance of that. So yes, I would definitely think that Christmas, I even think it might've come out in and around like that, that time. So I, I think it definitely is a Christmas movie. Available on Netflix. Yes, Next movie. I believe I saw it there. American Psycho. No. <laughs> I would love to hear the explanation of this one because I would say, no, it's definitely not a Christmas movie. If the the article says, and I quote, okay, not really, really, but if the litmus for what makes a Christmas movie is, quote, having scenes that take place during the holiday season, then American Psycho, which is primarily about the unhinged materialism of financial bros in 1980s New York, and also a serial killer, is also a Christmas movie, since there's a scene in which Patrick Bateman attends his fiance Evelyn's Christmas party. He even gets called Mr. Grinch. And um, I do believe that scene was my Facebook profile pick for or banner for Christmas time uh, <laughs> for I, a couple of years. I don't. I don't think that's enough. Like I don't think that their kind of idea of that being what defines a Christmas movie, just like a scene or there being something said in it. I personally don't think that's enough. I think you have to do. Other things like I I wouldn't consider any of the Harry Potter movies Christmas movies just because they they have that's the next Christmas movie time. on the list is it Harry Potter <laughs> really okay well great we can we can two birds with one stone here because Harry Potter starts at the beginning of the school year sometimes in the summer and goes all the way through a year so it's no more a Christmas movie than it is a Halloween movie than it is what if it's just about timing to me there's something about the core and heart of what the film right, is the theme. that makes it a movie. Yes, the themes. So American Psycho, no. Harry Potter, no. American Psycho is available on Peacock and Harry Potter is on Max. Yes, and movie... you can get that on Crave in Canada because it's not on. That's one of the ones that I know for sure is oh. not on Max in Canada. You have to have Crave to get that. Oh, okay. The next one is Goodfellas. <sighs> um... I would, okay, I'm going to say no. I don't think, I think that, like, to me, I still think of that movie as just more of a... A gangster movie. Gangster, New York, kind of a drama with a little bit of, like, comedy to it and a little bit of heart to it, but it's really just about the world of, like, gangster. Is this set in New York? I think it's New York or Chicago. It's I'm like a big city, sure. big time gangsters. Like, I don't think of that being associated with Christmas in any way. Their argument is that there's several Christmas moments, including him bringing home a Christmas tree. So take that. I haven't it seen is. it in a while. So I don't remember that. But again, if you're talking about thematically, it is a gangster movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Goodfellas is available on Amazon Prime. Um, we should keep going about a boy. This movie, I feel like I saw a million times in 2002, weirdly, like one of those movies that like, I saw so much growing up for some reason on TV. Do not remember it remotely being about Christmas or around Christmas, but I think I have never seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen this, but it's set at winter, isn't it? It says it's set. It's like a. So the main character, Will, lives, and this is, I'm, I'm just reading verbatim from the, the article. Um, the main character, Will, lives playboy lifestyle thanks to royalties from his father's mega hit Christmas song. There are also two Christmases depicted. Um, so yeah, <laughs> there you go. Two yeah. Christmases yeah. and the royalties from a Christmas song. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll okay. buy it. Well, 
available on stars this one if you don't think it's a christmas movie you're crazy and it's gremlins there's yeah, no gremlins date. is definitely yeah it's gremlins a is absolutely christmas horror a christmas movie. movie yeah and like that's the thing it's even thematically gremlins to me is especially like movies from the 80s did this a lot where they'd set like a horror movie or something specific at a specific time that becomes even though it's a Christmas movie, it's also a horror movie and they mix it together. It's 100% a Christmas movie. Yeah, no question. Um, when Harry Met Sally. I've only seen this movie once. I watched it on New Year's Eve. I can, I don't really remember it being a Christmas movie, but do you have feelings? One I way or the other? believe, I would say no, because isn't it set in the fall? I think it, it's the only thing I see is the leaves, right? Like the, the poster yeah, New York right? with fall. the leaves and New York in the fall or whenever it is. Like, I don't think that's a Christmas movie. Like to me, that's a fall romantic, romantic comedy movie, which always were coming out in like September, October, those that time frame. Like to me, this is a pre Christmas season movie. It does take place, I think, over the span of a couple years because it's like the evolution of their friendship, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, which but is not enough. Time is make... linear. Like, and you're going to eventually get to Christmas. They, and exactly. <laughs> there's there's a scene where they're picking out a Christmas tree. It's the same argument they make for Harry Potter and, um, yeah, it's not and American Psycho. To it's... me, what makes a, a movie fit a certain thing is what what time frame does it remind you of or what right. feeling does it fit, fit best and when harry met sally is with that pile of movies that is a pre your pre epic blockbuster of november so you're you're not quite into halloween season yet so you're getting your romantic comedies end of summer early into fall new starting a new job starting a new school starting a new year like that kind of feeling to me that's that's this movie it's available on amazon prime uh, this one might be contentious, but personally, I don't think so. Batman Returns. Well, hmm. I mean, okay. I think this is one where it being said at Christmas has a lot to do with the plot. Yeah. And definitely the Penguin's journey is very Christmassy, abandoned by his family trying to rebuild kind of goes down the negative way, but you know, can we bring him back is always kind of the question. There's a lot of Christmas themes to it. It is very much not only just set during that, but they use it a lot. It's not just a setting. They use the fact that it's Christmas and Gotham and they're, you know, building up big events are happening and it's the penguins opportunity to kind of get on camera and kind of be part of the political scene. So yeah, I, I would say Christmas movie. And that's pretty much, that was exactly their argument. It's available on Max. Dan and I, I think, watched it on Stars on our Amazon um, streaming. Because recently, maybe last year, we went through all of the yeah. early Batman movies. And we definitely watched it on Amazon. But I think it was on one of our bonus channels. So Yeah. It's definitely available through one of the bonus things on various platforms. Because, again, just the, can the Canada-US thing. Yeah. Um, but it's out there somewhere. We're almost done, Mike. We have two more movies. Um, All right. The Godfather. Um, I think I people famously know I once. don't like this movie. Yeah, I've only seen <laughs> it once. And again, it feels that gangster drama. Like to me, The Godfather, Goodfellas, even things like The Untouchables and things kind of set in that certain era feel 
even though they're they're quite different films, they feel more connected to me. They're than, exa- they're genre films. Of, of yeah, like it's very much it's yeah it's it's a genre movie. So I would say I would say no. They, I don't know. I guess this is the this is the argument. And again, I'm just going to read right from the article. Lots of important action happens at Christmas time. Not only do we see Michael and Kay and Tom Hagen shopping for Christmas presents, but Don Corleone doing some shopping of his own gets gunned down by Virgil Salazzo. Oh man, Hitman while buying fruit. <laughs> Christmas tree. Why is that Christmas? Why is that Christmas really? Buying fruit. Christmas Do people buy being, fruit a lot? Oh, Christmas <laughs> trees are being sold nearby the fruit. Oh. Later, okay. <laughs> by standing guard um, outside of the hospital, all decked out for Christmas. I might have given a major spoiler by reading that, but the movie's from the 70s, so people can deal with it. But um, they're saying major action in the film's ha- happening at Christmas. Okay. I guess, but I'm, I'm with you, Mike, it, the gangster film genre has so many conventions of its own that even if it is set at Christmas, to me, it's a gangster movie first. So I don't, yes, I don't and, buy it. Yeah. And I think, I guess the argument they're trying to make is similar to what I said about Batman. It's just when you think about a movie, are you remembering those elements? And I, I mean, I've only seen Godfather once to be fair, but I don't remember those things as being the iconic moments or the things that stick in my head as much as with Batman, I can, re- I can see the Joker at Christmas time in the square Gotham with um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Christopher Walken, yeah. right? Like those, those things are, are in, your brain. They're in there. Um, but with Godfather, yeah, I just, I don't see it. I see more grand balls and, and the wedding and ballrooms and sort of big moments and set pieces like that, where everyone's dressed up and having fancy dinners and drinks and, and threatening each other from across the table and dealing with the police. And like those things are what I think of when I think of those kinds of movies, not Christmas. So this last movie, if you recall at the beginning of this game, I, t- I was going to read you 12 classic movies you didn't think were right. Christmas movies and one Christmas movie that isn't. Okay. So this is the movie that, that everyone considers a Christmas movie, but this article Can I guess? Thing- Can yeah. I guess before yeah. you say it? Yeah. A Nightmare Before Christmas. No. Oh. You want, okay. you want another guess? It's a movie that we are, at least I am forced to watch every year, often more than once at Christmas time. Oh, oh, um... <laughs> Um, it's a wonderful life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let me read to you what the article says. Okay. And again, I'm quoting, I don't want to be in trouble for plagiarism. So no, anytime that I've read something, it's from this article, a romper. This movie is sort of the opposite of the phenomena above. We think of it as a Christmas movie, but when taken as a whole, it really isn't. Most of the film has nothing to do with the holidays. It's about a young man growing up and finding joy in life unlike the one he dreamed for uh, for himself. It's really only the fact that the final scenes take place on Christmas Eve that secures its place as a holiday film. In fact, it was released on January 7th, 1947, well after, well after when most folks celebrate Christmas, though just in time for Orthodox Christmas, so just in time for my Russian relatives. Of course, Jimmy Stewart's running through the snow shouting Merry Christmas is certainly enough for us to count it among the Christmas greats. I... I, I, I also am on record that I don't like this movie. Um, I find it so, so depressing. 
I yeah, I don't I don't I don't really get the appeal personally, but everyone a lot of people do watch it at at the holidays and I think they just associate with it. The only argument that I will give is once again going back to theme. I would say the themes that you're sort of taught um for Christmas and even the themes that just kind of come out of the culture around Christmas. I'm not even talking about the religious side, just because we have to admit one thing about Christmas is it has a culture side that has nothing to do with religion anymore. It's got a culture to it of its own. So what the heart of that in, is in this movie, like he, him finding himself, finding his self-worth, finding his reasons to live. That is, I think, thematically why people end up watching it in and around Christmas. And the fact that the climax of the movie is set around that, like we build to it. I can kind of see. Angels are Christmassy. Yeah. And there's tons of snow. Um, And I think the fact that his whole going back, going through time as if he didn't exist, still being set at Christmas makes it kind of connected to that. Like when, what's the angel's name? Clarence? Yeah, Clarence like does that thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you this world. It's still kind of Christmas and it's snow. And it's like, I think that to me still makes it kind of Christmassy, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, that is a tough watch. It's a, <laughs> the many for me, it's a I've had to watch it. Yeah. It's tough. It is a tough film to get through. Cause I think I thought James, James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart. Was yeah. I think he was by Jimmy. Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, I thought he was a terrible actor until I finally saw him in other movies. Like he did a couple Hitchcock films. Yeah. Um, and he was actually really good in them. Like, oh no, so it is the movie. Like it's not him. <laughs> He's actually quite good. <laughs> it's it's, it's overwrought. But I think I don't know, like I think he I might have I might be getting this story completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure he filmed this right after he came back from World War II. And so, like, that might have impacted the film. Yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> that would be like, <laughs> rough filming. Yeah. That's, that's like, and he rough. fought, like, he actually fought in the war. Like, he didn't go over as a, like, entertainer. Like, he, I'm pretty sure, like, flew airplanes in the war. So. Well, um, I'm less critical then. Yeah. <laughs> I think, That'd I be really be, tough. Yeah. I could be getting that wrong, but I think that impacted um, some of his filming. So, again, just again, I don't want to get in trouble for plagiarism. This was Romper's 12 classic movies you didn't realize were actually Christmas movies. We just, we can't get away one Christmas without bringing up It's a Wonderful Life. I'm pretty sure we talked about it every year. <laughs> we, I think we, we always talk about it. We just it, can't escape it. It's a classic for whatever I, reason. I guess so. And um, guess it is. the article I read was by Jamie Kenny. So there you go. Um, should we go ahead and review my Christmas movie or should we save it for the end? No, let's, let's go right into your Christmas movie and then I'll talk about Maestro uh, near the end. So yeah, let's dive right into it. You saw the holdovers. Um, I'm really interested to see what you thought of this because all the previews and stuff looked quite good. looked like a real sort of filmed like a seventies movie kind of feel to it. So yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you think. Um, this movie's getting a ton of buzz, especially for Paul Giamatti. Um, he's getting a lot of acting, uh, buzz. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he was nominated at the Golden Globes, right? He was nominated for a Golden Globe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know her name, but so was the other, like the, whatever, whoever the female oh, yeah. star um, is. 
um, the next like Divine Joy Randolph. Okay, yeah. So she's nominated as well for Best Supporting, and I think he's nominated for Best Actor in a Musical Comedy. Yeah, that so yeah, they're both they're both nominated. That checks out. Um, so this movie is one hundred percent bona fide Christmas movie. <laughs> It it would not be on this, uh, this article list that we just read. It takes place at Christmas. The premise of the movie is that Paul Giamatti Giamatti plays um, a teacher at a elite boarding school um, in, I think, Massachusetts. It's like definitely like, it's within driving distance of Boston. And um, super rich boys go to the school like senator's son yada 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 so at christmas time there's a policy at the school that one teacher has to stay behind for what they call the holdovers those boys who for whatever reason can't go home at christmas and so is this a school that you're 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 living at over yes. the year? yeah it's I, a boarding I'm sorry school. if you just said that I'm yeah just, yeah okay so these boys like whatever the school year is would be like living there uh, full time. Okay, so living during the year and the teacher has to stay because some of them, for whatever reason, aren't going home for Christmas. Okay. Correct. So there's um, at the beginning, there's five boys and then through a series of events, it ends up being one boy. And so the central cast is uh, Tully, the the boy. He's probably like 16 or 17. Mary, which is that the, the divine lady who has been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And okay. then um, Paul Giamatti's character. So the three of them are kind of like this band of misfits um, through who really none, none of them want to be at the school, but through events are at the school. And right. it's the movie kind of unfolds and we follow them over the course of Christmas break. And you see um, kind of like a countdown on the screen. It'll be like December 27th, day 11. You know, <laughs> like we're counting um, <laughs> as we go on. This movie is considered a comedy. It was in the comedy um, uh, bracket for, for, for um, the Golden Globes. But it's also a drama. So comedy, dramedy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just like you said, Mike, it's filmed as if it's a 70s movie. It takes place in the 70s. It takes place um, over the 1970-1971 Christmas break. And, um, uh, you know... The cinematography, the costuming, production design, all of the title cards at the beginning of the movie were like the the logos for the production houses during the 70s. The My movie history from the 70s is a little rusty. Some of these production houses probably didn't exist in the 70s, so they might have made like right, fake right. 1970s. But, but my point being that they're... The, that the that ty- look. Yeah, the typography yeah. is definitely 1970s. Yeah. You read it right away. Um, Which is cool. Like, if you're yeah. going to do it, I'm always a big fan of, like, commit to it. Like, fully commit to it, which will, uh, you'll see a similarity, actually, into your movie and mine when I talk about Maestro. But, yeah, like, commit to that. If you want to set it and make it look like a 70s movie filmed in the 70s, then, like, really commit and go that far. So I appreciate that. I do, too. And I, I'm i sure we've talked about this on the show before. I actually prefer movies from, like, the 1990s backwards like when we started doing these hyper realistic and it got even worse with hd especially when we started moving away from film 
I hate the look of modern movies. That hyper realistic, like if I wanted to watch real life, I'd look out the window. Like I hate (laughs) HD. Um, Yeah. It went, oh, I want to be able to see the hairs on his neck. No, no, I don't. You know, HD TV is the worst. Like it's not like, I don't mind the movies so much, but when people, I've seen people have those big TVs that are like HD televisions. And it's just like, I don't know what it is. The look of it is so weird to me. I I think think it's it's the oddest thing. I read an article, a lot of people and like myself included, we're not actually changing the settings on our TV to like optimize stuff like that. So like, the, that does not surprise me. The TVs were what where you know you go to your uncle's house and he's watching football and you're like this is HD and it looks horrible. It's probably because his settings aren't correct. But needless to say, I don't like the look typically of new movies unless they're highly stylized. Um, like right. Barbie, for instance, like looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I love the look of this movie. It looks like film. Every it looks almost a little bit grainy. The colors are much more warm. That's what I think new movies lack is the warmth of film so you know people are going to say taylor get with the program you can't live in the past i'm just my preference is older movies look more beautiful in my opinion Uh, (laughs) um and they do some interesting shots like i forget what movie you were talking about where like they kind of like zoomed in with the camera they like zoomed over a building or whatever i think you talked about it last week um and I, don't know. I think that that end of the world movie you watched had some like oh, interesting yes. camera yes. camera work. This movie too had some interesting camera work. Um, it is just over two hours. I watched this in two parts because I watched it over two naps. I think I did myself a disservice by stopping it halfway through the movie because the second half of the movie felt a little bit slow. But I think if I had watched it all the way through in one go, it wouldn't have felt that way. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No. That's. I think that's understandable. The momentum yeah. of the first half would have kept going into the second half, right? Yeah. Um, writing yeah. was. I think that's something that we do sometimes lose about streaming, and I think that's what filmmakers are bringing up. Like the interruption can sometimes harm the film. Like yeah. I think you're just explaining basically that concept, and it happens. Like it's not. You know, it's no one's fault. It, you know, that's the way you have to watch the movie. So, so I don't, so if, when people watch this movie, um, they might find it drags in the middle or they yeah. might not essentially is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like you might not experience that cause you watch it all the way through. I rented it on Amazon. It's available for renting. I think you can still mm-hmm. see it in theaters. Um, and it's getting so much buzz. I'm sure it'll be in theaters for a while, but if you are yeah. like me and are stuck at home, you can uh, rent it now. Um, yeah. Overall, I, I think this is a great movie. It's one of the best movies I watched all year. I understand the buzz around it. Um, it like definitely, to me, is your typical Christmas movie in the sense that it's as sad as it is hopeful. So like for me, I'm right. not a big fan of Christmas. I'm one of those people that find Christmas kind of depressing. And this movie definitely captures, this movie is for people who find the holidays kind of depressing. You know, oh, this isn't, this okay. isn't like your Grinch. This isn't like, you're like, ha- like, yay, go, go Christmas. Like Christmas is the best. Woo, woo, woo. No, this is about like, you're lonely at the holidays. And, you know, the, sometimes Christmas isn't magical. And anyways, sometimes you're in part, you're, you're 
experiencing parts of your life and you're shoehorning it in during the holidays and that sucks. You know what I mean? So anyways, that's this movie. Um, (laughs) You you came with the, uh, with the hot takes. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it is. That's why I say it is a comedy, but it's, it's, in my opinion, it's almost more of a drama. Like it is, it is funny, but it's also sad and wistful and you know, it's, melancholy like this is the holidays when you're wishing the holidays could be something different but you're stuck with the holidays you have ultimately Mm. um and i thought the performances were really great the young guy who plays tully the student i haven't seen him in anything but he might be up and coming i'm not sure his name is dominic uh sessa sisa um and i'm just on his wikipedia he's best known for the holdovers so that's um that's probably his major um major uh credit and interestingly his wikipedia describes it as a coming of age film which is which is accurate because it really focuses on his relationship with the teacher paul giamatti but i think the teacher is still the main character so anyways um i completely understand the buzz around this movie um yeah, I don't, I, it might be one of these movies where, well, people talk about it in a year. I don't know. But to me, this is a holiday classic. Like I could see people putting this on their list and revisiting yeah. it every year. And stylistically and production value and everything, like it was a real joy to watch. Refreshing after a year of kind of, you know, fluff, fluff movies for me. So it's a yeah. it And at the end of the day, even if you're not into Christmas movies or not into dramedies, you probably want to watch this movie because it is getting the award buzz if you want to be in yeah. the know. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. That's great. There you go. I see it for the holdovers. Um, so I decided to watch Maestro because uh, I've said everything I have to say about Family Switch. Um so Maestro is definitely not a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> but you it, know, uh, weirdly, it feels like a Christmas movie because it came out or in the Christmas season. There's a lot of but scenes that Jewish, take place though. at, yeah, and there's a lot of scenes that take place at parties and you kind of right. got that everyone celebrating kind of feeling to it, which has sort of festive vibes throughout. Um, so it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's obviously coming out now because of award season. Right. Um, with that being said, this movie does not feel like an awards bait movie, um, where it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to try to get our awards by having these ones. Like it, it feels like actually someone's passion project, right? which is, you know, I have to give credit to Bradley Cooper on that. I, I think this feels like someone who cared about the material and really wanted to tell a good, rich long very long story about this this composer's life like it's leonard bernstein's life from from you know basically getting his big shot his big moment to you know his rise to start but what this isn't is not it's not a movie where he's sitting down and he's composing west side story and he's composing his great things for television or for for the stage that's not what this is about you know the, the movie where you sit down and like He's trying to, the scene where you're trying to figure out something and then a janitor walks by whistling and you get the tune in your head and you have the big moment and you write the big, you know, show. That's not what this is. I thought it was about his relationship with his wife. It's about his relationship with his wife. 
hit and the sort of not the price of stardom but the heaviness of having talent and what it means to be this iconic figure and for her what it means being connected to that being always connected to this iconic figure oh my gosh Mike. and what what that means about pause it. he just remade a star is born but with yeah <laughs> so it's it is very a star is born now what i, I will can't. say is what i will say is what i will say is a star is born gets into like the the substance abuse of musicians and that kind of culture that's built around it that's like really unhealthy but for some reason as a society we prop it up that's a whole nother story but this doesn't get into that it is about leonard bernstein and his life and basically like i don't like kind of his his journey as a person and it is more focused around their relationship and everything that comes with that and his not what it does to you to be creative and, and what it does to you mentally, but what it does to you physically and how it brings you down and how it's difficult to carry around mass amounts of talent and and really how that affects the people in your life. Do you think that's so how not Bradley just, Cooper feels about himself? <laughs> I think I think no matter what Taylor, you would hate this movie because because the male ego. Though, yes, I will say it's very like he's all in the makeup and he. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of scenes with him and there's a lot of moments where Taylor, you would hate it. Yeah, where I get what they're going for and I can appreciate it on a level of like, yeah, you care about this. You're you're a, a relatively new filmmaker. You're experimenting with different things that I think some were effective and some weren't. But Taylor, you would absolutely hate this movie because it does feel self like fulfilling and it feels very like ego tripping. Yeah, it does feel that way throughout. Because even the idea of Leonard Bernstein, it's very much based around the ego of this person's a genius. There's no question that he's a genius. This movie doesn't have moments of like, will he accomplish this thing? Is he as great as we think? Will he rise to stardom? He's a star throughout. You see at the beginning of the movie, a little bit of like, okay, this is his big break and he gets that moment. But basically the rest of the movie, 95% of the movie, he's just the star that he is. So yeah, it's it's not quite like a star is born where you see the rise and fall of someone. This is just the, he's at his peak throughout the whole movie. And you see the relationships that he has. Like he's he's in a relationship with a man at the beginning of the movie. And he then gets into a relationship with what will become his wife. And there is some turmoil around that. I don't think it's necessarily the focus of the film. But it is another aspect that she has to deal with. Like this is really an interesting vehicle for Carrie Mulligan. Who plays yeah, she's great. Leonard Bernstein's wife. And she does it. Like she knocks it out of the park. Like, but, but in terms of where the focus is. The emotion is her. And dealing with with the realities of being with someone like Leonard Bernstein. And that's kind of what the movie is about. Now, one thing I will say about it that I really liked is the way the movie is shot travels with the eras that we're in. So we, we begin kind of in that It's a Wonderful Life era, like 19, what was that shot in the 50s? 40s. Late 40s, early 50s. So late 40s filmmaking. It feels like a movie from the 40s, black cool. and white shot the same way, aspect ratio the same way, even the way they talk very much of that era. As the movie progresses through his life, the filmmaking style changes to adapt to whatever era we're in. When we're in the 60s, it feels like a movie built, made in the 60s. When I will, we're in the 70s, it feels like a movie from the 70s. I will say that's interesting. That is an interesting yes. take. And it was done in a very interesting way. 
Sometimes it was more subtle and sometimes more drastic than switching. But if you know anything about film through the eras, you'll appreciate that aspect of it. I think the transitions could have been done a little bit better. I thought you could have done more of like an artsy switch. Sometimes it just like cut switches. I think every time he could have done something cool to switch and change well, if he's, the, the era. I don't know anything about this conductor, this music man. I don't know. But why not use like... um what do they call that when you zoom in and zoom out fade in fade out why wouldn't you if you're doing like movie conventions why wouldn't you do fade in fade out between the scenes well i think i think he wanted to do something that was more drastic so sometimes it works right so so for example the the first one you see is the most dramatic where it goes from 1940s like late 40s black and white movie hard cut into the 60s Right. So his daughter, like they just got married. So you basically see a transition where it's more of a hard cut. And I think you're supposed to feel like, oh, jarring. Where are we going with this? The next time it happens, it's a little bit less of a hard cut. It's more of a more of like a fade, like you're saying. But instead of fade and fade out, it just goes from one scene to another fades into it. The aspect ratio has changed. And we're clearly in, I think it's from the 60s to like the 80s. And the filmmaking style has changed to to accommodate. Like it feels like we're in, we're watching a movie in the '40s, and then it feels like we're watching a movie in the '60s, and then it feels like we're watching a movie in the '80s. And he does do that really well. I just would have liked some more consistency to say either make it drastic every time, or do what you're suggesting of soft. use film conventions yeah. to fade in, fade out, make it more soft, so we can kind of journey into the next and move through time. So that's just like a minor criticism. Overall, this movie is pretty good. Like I think Bradley Cooper's performance is pretty good. I do think as a director, I liked more of what he was doing than as an actor. I feel like you could have put anyone in this kind of makeup, have them do the mannerisms, work with an actor of any level and make it work. It could have been Bradley Cooper. It could have been somebody else. I don't know if that necessarily matters, but it was good. Like his performance was still very good. He was very good in the role. It never felt like him doing an impression. It felt like he was the character and he was behaving like the character. He's wearing prosthetics. He's wearing a fake nose, he's wearing sure. prosthetics on his face. A little controversial, but the family and, has and supported it, it, so. Yeah, and and a little bit, like, a little bit jarring every once in a while because you realize who it is. But all in all, if you're going to do a movie like this, if you're going to cast someone who doesn't look like the person, you use prosthetics to kind of make that transition work. It's effective. It works within the film. All, all in all, this is a see it, I think. I think it's a good movie. It's a little long. It's especially in the middle. Boy, does it drag um, where I don't I think like normally you'd have that inciting incident where you're like, is he going to fail? Is that going to happen? Normally where that takes place in the movie, we just kind of continue and, you know, go through his life. But again, this is someone's passion project. You can tell that Bradley Cooper cared about this. You can tell he really wanted to tell the story. I think for his second directing outage, I think it was better than his first. I think he improved from what he gave us with A Star is Born. Overall, I liked it, um, so I'm I'm gonna give the movie a see it. Is it for everyone? Probably not. I really don't think you would like this movie, Taylor. Like, I really don't. I think it's too self-serving, and I think you would hate those aspects of it. I would. I wouldn't be able to look beyond. <laughs> yeah, and and but, but I'm sure there's lots of people who would love this movie. Um, I thought it was pretty good. 
I could honestly see Carrie Mulligan getting nominated and even winning an Oscar for this. I think she'll get up for it. I'm sure Bradley Cooper will be nominated for directing, definitely, maybe even for acting. Um, I thought he was he was good. Top five of the year, probably not. But still, I thought it was a very good movie. Um, definitely worth worth checking out. So it's a see it for me. Um, there you go. Christmas. Maestro. Uh, all all very Christmassy. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed their, their holidays. If you don't celebrate Christmas, if you're just enjoying the holiday season, hopefully you're having a, a good time listening to this on either Boxing Day or the day after. Um, but hopefully everyone's having a safe and happy holidays and uh, you'll get something from us. I don't even know what we're doing next, Taylor. I don't know where we're going next. No idea. We're not. The year's about to end. Yeah, we'll we'll see you in the new year. It won't be a (laughs) new show, but it will be a new year. (laughs) It'll definitely, exactly. (laughs) All right, go see some movies.